Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, where you'll get the latest trends and business initiatives that help your law firm every day. Hear from the experts setting the standards for the legal, insurance, and law enforcement industries. The Legal Toolkit is brought to you by Catuno Court Reporting and Stantel Transcription, a New England-based business serving the legal community nationwide since 1966. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Welcome back to the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. It's been a while, friends. Last time I did this, the weather was much warmer, raining today, unfortunately. As always, I'm Jared Korea, Law Practice Management Advisor with Mass Lomap, providing free and confidential consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on Lomap, visit our recently redesigned and stunningly beautiful new website at www.masslomap.org. The Legal Toolkit is brought to you by Katuno Court Reporting. To find out more about Katuno services, visit www.katuno.cc. On the Legal Toolkit, as you know, we provide you with a new tool each month to add to your own Legal Toolkit so that your practices will become more and more representative of best practices. On today's show, we're going to take a look at fee setting through the lens of a new Women's Bar Association series focusing on the issue. And we've got two guests today. Joining me are Kiara LaPlume, an attorney in Wellesley, Massachusetts, who focuses her practice in real estate law and in the representation of small businesses. She is one of the co-chairs of the Massachusetts Women's Bar Association Solo and Small Firm Committee. Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, Kiara. Thank you. Our next guest is Audrey Height. Audrey's an elder law attorney in Waltham, Massachusetts. She went solo directly out of law school and is grateful to have a dedicated yoga practice in addition to her thriving law firm. She's also one of the co-chairs of the Massachusetts Women's Bar Association's Solo and Small Firm Committee. How about that? And the founder of a popular networking group for new attorneys known as Starting Out Solo. Audrey, welcome to the Legal Toolkit. Thank you. So let's jump in with the questions here. Thank you both for appearing. In my opinion, I think the Massachusetts Women's Bar Association is one of the most innovative bar associations that I've come across. Now you have your solo and small firm committee promoting and holding these fee circles. So tell me, just what is a fee circle? Um, well, Jared, this is Kiara. Um, thank you for having us both, and thank you so much for calling us innovative. We love that. Um, I so, try. <laughs> so the solo and small firm committee's role within the Massachusetts WBA is to assist attorneys in solo or small firm practice, and that does include having nuts and bolts types programming. And this is an example of just that. So a fee circle is a small group of attorneys, which is restricted to 10 people per meeting um, so that we can keep the conversation flowing as a circle rather than in the format of more of a lecture type program. Um, mm-hmm. And we meet to discuss charging for our work and our billing practices and collection questions that may come up in our practice. Um, this all came about, uh, we, we had an article that was distributed through our um, committee's list of exploring the issues with equal pay, and the article was suggesting that one of the reasons, one of probably several reasons, why women are paid less than men for the same work might be that women poll other women who are already underpaid to find out uh, what they should be paid. So when they go to negotiate their salary, they feel that they're getting paid fairly, where in fact perhaps they're not. And the question that was asked is, might a parallel exist with regard to charging for the legal services we render? In other words, is it possible that women attorneys um, might unwittingly be asking to be paid less than they should for the services they provide 
and do we um, do we really pay attention to who we're getting our comps from? Um, so a fee circle discusses essentially everything with regard to um, uh, money, handling money within um, within our offices, possibly, probably in most cases, with the exception of actually stating how much um, we charge for our services. Uh, sounds like a great program, and especially uh, when you take it from the aspect of women in the practice, I think it's excellent that the WBA is moving forward on a program like this. So let's jump into the big question here. Here's a $20,000 question or more, depending on how much you're billing, <laughs> as I see it. Uh, whether you're billing by the hour, whether you're using flat fees or some alternative arrangement, whether you're starting a practice or uh, starting a new practice area, how does an attorney go about setting fees? Uh, this is Audrey. You know, this comes up a lot in the Women's Bar Association and also in Starting Out Solo, which is um, a group for young attorneys who start their practices right out of law school. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different ways that attorneys set their fees. A lot of it is about standard of fairness. So what's the price at which you feel it's fair to do your work for? You know, if you're charging less, you won't do the work. Um, if you're charging more, you'll have difficulty talking to your clients about your fees. And then in terms of just deciding what's fair, you can figure out what the market rate is by talking to other attorneys and the time value of the work you're doing. So if it takes you 10 hours to do something, it should be about 10 billable hours of your time. Um, When you're setting your hourly rate, you think about your years of experience, um, what other attorneys in your geographic location are charging, but also what other attorneys are charging who are in your field of expertise. So an elder law attorney charges a different rate than a corporate transactional attorney. Mm -hmm. You might also look at your business plan to figure out how much money do I need to earn per client and how many clients do I want to have in a month or a year. Um, And that's, you know, if you want to have a boutique practice, you would charge more for less clients, but give them specialized service. Or you may have a volume practice where you have a lot of clients with more standardized services. So that's been my experience. Oh, that's great. Um, so since we're lawyers and we like to discuss risk management issues, let's get into that a little bit. So I've heard it said that when an attorney asks another attorney how much they charge, that that's an antitrust violation if there's an answer provided. Uh, can you guys explain that? Uh, well, this is Kiara, and I am not an antitrust lawyer, but I think I will try to address that. I won't I have... hold you to it. Oh, good. Hopefully the other viewers won't <laughs> <laughs> or here, as I should say. Um, I have heard about this objection. I have heard it usually being raised by um, either older attorneys or corporate attorneys. And I think that the concern that is being expressed is one about price fixing, which is a federal crime. Um, so usually attorneys will raise this if you approach them and ask them how much they charge um, in, a, in a setting which is not a one-on-one private setting. Um, and uh, just for the education of the audience, just so that nobody unwittingly um, exposes themselves to price fixing, the Department of Justice, is my understanding, defines price fixing as an agreement amongst competitors to raise, fix, or otherwise maintain the price at which services are sold. And it is not necessary for competitors to agree to charge exactly the same price or even for all competitors in an industry to join in the conspiracy. Um, so this is a big convoluted way of, I guess, saying that if you approach people one-on-one uh, where they don't have to declare to the whole world how much they are charging, they'll probably feel a lot more comfortable discussing this. And, um, you know, um, I, I'm not going to make statements about prosecution, but um, 
I think that there is a way to get to the answer without really raising price-fixing concerns. Hmm. Maybe even like the fee circles for the WBA. Um, yeah, well, I mean, honestly, in uh, in my fee circles, there was, uh, in the fee circles that I participated in, nobody actually stated how much they were charging. Um, <laughs> but um, as I said, I think, I think that it's in, in how you go about asking. Uh, ultimately, we will want to know what other people are charging to make sure that, as Audrey was mentioning, what we charge is fair. Um, yep. And it's representative of the work that we do. And it's appropriate. And I can't believe you read that definition off the top of your head. That was crazy. A lot to remember. <laughs> so I get, th- I get this question a lot at LOMAP. Should attorneys be charging consultation fees? Can you respond to that question? Uh, so this is Audrey. And um, I-, I can tell you what I do and then what I've heard other people do. I give a free half-hour consultation. And that just gives me a chance to get to know the client and for them to get to know me and to decide if, if it's a good fit for both of us, but I don't give legal advice during that half hour. And if it goes over a half hour, I charge my hourly rate and I charge my hourly rate if we start, if I start giving legal advice during the consultation. And I tell people that that's over the phone, that that's how I do things. And then when the half hour is up, I let them know their time is up and ask if they'd like to move forward as a client or, or if they'd like to end the consultation. I know some attorneys don't want to give any free time because they get a lot of tire kickers. That is people who are seeing a lot of different attorneys and just want to take your time and get some free advice and don't actually end up hiring you. And I believe that that's really practice area specific. Divorce lawyers seem to get a lot of it. Elder law, I don't get a lot of people doing that. And and the other end is some people who give complete free consultations. Those meet with people for as long as it takes to for the person to decide if they want to hire the attorney. And um, I started out doing that and then just ran out of time. And I had <laughs> so, so little time to give that it didn't make sense to keep going that way. Uh, but something to keep in mind is that once you've met with somebody for a consultation, you may be conflicted out of taking the case for an opposing party. So, you know, it does cost you something mm-hmm. to have a consultation with, with a client, and you want to make sure to keep that in mind when you're deciding whether or not to charge. Yeah, and you also make a good point about setting expectations so that the clients know just what these meetings mean. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about once you set your fees. What about when you want to reassess your fees going forward? How does an attorney know whether she's undercharging or overcharging? Uh, so what I do... Um, is look at the hours it takes me to do each project and the actual hours, not the hours I bill the clients, which are different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it looks like I'm spending way more hours than I'm, I'm earning money for, I would adjust my fees appropriately. And that's especially true for flat fees where the client's paying one rate, no matter how many hours you, you work on it. Um, so maybe Kiara has <laughs> other thoughts. <laughs> Go um, ahead, Kiara. Uh, well, I, I guess. All, I guess it, it, you have to think about what kind of client you're trying to attract. And, and I think that you have to be conscious of the fact that I think in all practices, we have some um, clients that are very price sensitive that inevitably take up a lot of your time, probably more than the other clients. And so I think that if you factor all of that in mind, I think that a 20% pushback I've heard is appropriate. Um, meaning that if you have clients that try to um, that, that comment that you are charging too much, about 20% um, of, of pushback or you know surprise at how you charge, how much you charge, or how much it's going to cost is is okay. It's really fine. Um, 
the flip side is that if clients are telling you you're undercharging, then you're probably undercharging. And another thing that I've heard um, through the fee circles is the perception of uh, competency um, with regard to the fee, meaning that sometimes undercharging makes you look like you don't know what you're doing necessarily, and charging a higher fee um, gives the appearance of, um, if not prestige, at least um, specialization or special knowledge or or, mm-hmm. or something wonderful about you that allows you to command <laughs> that higher fee. I thought 100% of attorneys thought lawyers charge too much. I mean, 100% <laughs> of clients. <laughs> so what about fee reductions? I mean, what if you get a client who really doesn't want to pay your fee? Maybe you want to take a case and uh, you feel like you need to reduce your fee to do so. How, how do you go about doing that? Uh, well, this is Kiara again. I mean, there are lots of ways of doing it. If you If you really feel that you have the time you have other clients that are paying you and you just want to take the case pro bono, um, then um, that's that's one thing that you can choose to do. Obviously, you need to think about how that's, you know, how much time that's going to take and possibly put some language in a fee agreement limiting what you're going to be providing pro bono. Um, and I think it really depends on the area of practice. I've heard that in fee shifting, um, representation there is a formal full rate but that's really uh, like a, almost like a made up rate because um the judge or the court will sometimes cut that down and the attorney usually doesn't charge clients that rate if they um are not in a fee shifting situation they would actually be charging a lower rate um aside from that I think there are many ways to discount a bill, and everybody has a very strong and very different opinion. You can decrease your hourly rate, or if you're doing a flat fee, you can estimate that it's going to take you, you're not going to do a very conservative estimate, let's say, of how long it will take you. You can estimate that maybe things will go smoothly, knowing that they may not. Uh, When charging a fee, you can also, alternatively, if you're charging hourly, write down all all the things that you did for the client, but put plenty of no charges. Or some people provide a credit instead to the final bill um, as personal consideration or phrase in some other way. And I think that it's important to keep track of which one you're doing so that you don't triple discount without fully realizing it. For example, providing a discount on the hourly rate and no charging and then providing a credit. Um, again, as Audrey was suggesting, go back to the business plan. Make sure that you can afford to do that. Um, another thing that I heard that was very interesting was that an attorney felt that she couldn't charge um, her hourly rate for non-legal work, but she charged herself at a paralegal or a secretarial rate when she was uh, doing um, some of that type of work so that she wasn't completely having to write it off. Mm-hmm. And uh, similarly, with regard to the not writing, not writing costs off, um, there were there was some discussion about you know trying to transfer legal research or courier or FedEx things like that and then whether the cost benefit analysis of the time that you spend itemizing is really worth it when it comes to postage copying and that kind of stuff. Hmm. And ultimately, all, go ahead. All, all good suggestions there. Um, so what we'll do now, I think, is we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with a couple more questions for you. Again, we're talking with. Audrey Height and Carol Plume of the WBA about the Women's Bar Association's fee-setting programs, and we'll return to that subject in a moment.
Catuno Court Reporting and Stantel Transcription have been providing innovative dictation at transcription services since 1966. Our patented technologies and compliance solutions continue to set the standard for the legal community. Find out more about how we can create your legal toolkit at Catuno.cc. That's C-A-T-U-O-G-N-O dot C-C. Or call 888-228-8646. Welcome back to the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. Today I'm joined by Chiara LaPlume and Audrey Height, who are co-chairs of the Massachusetts Women's Bar Association's Solo and Small Firm Committee. So let's dive back into it. I want to get to a couple more questions before we finish here. Uh, Chiara and Audrey, can you share some of the best tips that have arisen from your fee circle meetings? Um, Audrey, is it okay with you if I start? Oh, please. Yeah. Okay. So I would say some of the best tips, in my opinion, are um, have a really strong fee agreement and insert in the fee agreement the possibility of uh, of an increase in what it is that you charge. Um, and if you're charging a flat fee, then really pinpoint when the payments would become due. Um, another thing that I heard is that consistency and billing, billing frequently, billing in a timely manner um, helps. The client understands that billing is important to you and that getting paid on time is important to you. So um, being diligent about that somehow translates into the client paying in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and following up on, on bills that are unpaid also seems to be very important. Other tips were accepting credit cards. Um, that has been uh, very useful depending on the type of practice to some of our attorneys. Um, Trying to set up a retainer, which is maybe not technically an evergreen retainer, but really sort of mimicking that and saying, well, just understand that if I say I need more money as a retainer, then I will tell you how much it is and you will need to replenish your retainer before I continue doing work. Um, and probably the best advice I've heard is that if you know you put yourself in your, in your client's shoes and think, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money and how am I ever going to pay this? And you end up therefore reducing your fees. Don't quote a fee right away. Tell the client or the potential client to be more exact that you'll get back to them and then take out your lease and see how much money you need to pay. Take a look at a picture of your kids and remind yourself that you need to pay for their tuition too. And then, and then give a quote when you, when you're out of that mindset. Audrey? Uh, well, uh, one thing that, that came out consistently in the fee circles was setting client expectations. So it's a lot mm-hmm. easier to ask for your fee when the client's expecting to be paying your fee. And part of that is making sure you have a standard fee agreement, like Kira was talking about, that you go through with the client so they really understand. And part of it is just keeping them updated. You know, if you spend a lot of hours on an, on an hourly case in a month, you might call a client and say, it's, it's been a lot of hours this month. So you can expect a larger bill. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's huge. Clients are way more likely to pay you if they're expecting to have to pay you. Yes, good point. <laughs> so, that's the only thing I'd add. Uh, and and as you both know, I don't think anybody likes to talk about money, including clients, including lawyers. So how do you broach the subject of fees with clients and other attorneys? Uh, this is Audrey. You know, I think people not wanting to talk about fees is a great way to start talking about fees. Hmm. In that if a client's waiting for you to bring it up, they're curious, they want to know, they're not going to hire you until they find out how much it's going to cost. So I'll say right off the bat, you know, when they call for a consultation, I'll tell them what my fee structure is so that when they come in, they already know. 
And then if they want to hire me, I'll say, you know, well, let's make you a client. And part of the way we do that is to, to go over the fee structure again and have you sign a fee agreement. And then if I want a retainer, I ask for the retainer at that point as well. And clients are usually relieved that I mm-hmm. brought it up and I'm taking charge of that discussion because it, it needs to happen. And I also put them at ease. I tell them they don't have to decide to hire me right then. They don't have to sign a fee agreement right then, but that they do need to understand what my fees are and they do need to sign a fee agreement before I start work. Yeah. And that's gone really well. Absolutely. Uh, how about talking with other lawyers about their fees? Uh, so I approach that by, if, if I'm trying to figure out what they charge in terms of setting my own rates, sometimes I'll mm-hmm. just ask how many hours they spend or what their average hourly rate is. So instead of asking for a specific number, I say, you know, when you're deciding how to set your hourly fee, what do you do? And then what's your average rate? And a lot of times attorneys are more willing to answer that question than a direct, how much are you charging this client? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to do it. I mean, it's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. So it sounds like the best thing to do is to bring it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that'll do it for this edition of the legal toolkit. Remember that you can check out all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. I'd like to uh, give a special thank you to our guests today, Kiara LaPlume and Audrey Height, for appearing on the show. So, Kiara and Audrey, if any of our listeners wanted to hear more about you or about the WBA, how would they go about doing that? Uh, well, this is Kiara, and to find out more about our committee or the WBA in general, um, WBA is actually working on revamping their website, so please check it today, but also you might want to come back and check more. Um, the uh, address is www.womensbar.org. Again, womensbar.org. Um, and you can contact us through the website. Um, if our committee can help you more, we'd be happy to. Great. Audrey? Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. Starting out solo is another group uh, for folks who start their law practice directly out of law school. And you can visit that site at uh, www.startingoutsolo.com. And the WBA, too, is just a great resource. I second Kiara's advice to, to check it out online and, and come join our committee. And, uh, Audrey, there was no way I was going to let you get off this podcast without talking about starting out solo. A great resource for attorneys who are starting their practices fresh from law school. <laughs> so last but not least, uh, one final big thank you to our sponsor, Katuno Court Reporting. If you want more information about Katuno Court Reporting, visit www.katuno.cc. That's C-A-T-U-O-G-N-O dot C-C. And join us next time here on The Legal Toolkit. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Legal Toolkit. Brought to you by Katuno Court Reporting and Stantel Transcription, right here on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
or on YouTube.